Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Cleveland to speak about Kevin Love and his battle with mental illness with the Locked On Cavs host, Chris Manning. We'll then go to New Orleans to talk about the Pelicans trying out a couple of point guards and Jaleel Okafor and his ongoing battle with mental illness. And lastly, we'll go to Boston to speak about uh, Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier's recent comments about them coming off the bench and what Gordon Haywood has to battle through to get back to where he was before. It's all coming up. The bigger stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA. This is Locked On NBA Mondays. I am your host, Josh Lloyd, the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Mental health has been a big thing in the NBA over the past couple of days, so we're going to be talking about three separate sort of instances uh, and tying it across all the three hosts in Cleveland, in New Orleans, and in Boston with some other news that has been going on around the NBA. So let's get to it. I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Cavs podcast, that is Chris Manning. Chris, some interesting things happening in the NBA over the past couple of days. One of those, a big article by Jackie McMullen on mental health in the NBA, one of the key pieces or one of the key figures in that article or in that movement, I guess, over the past six months or so is the Cavs' own Kevin Love. First of all, um, has what's the local reaction been to Love coming out and, and talking about his in-game anxiety issues and the effect it's had on performance? You know, I think it's been a pretty well-recepted thing. Um, I know, you know, Cleveland is home to the Cleveland Clinic, which I believe is where he's gotten treatment and, and has seen, uh, hoping that they're the Cavs' medical partner. Um, I think it, locally everyone seems to be very aware of this and very accepting of it. And I think it's, and it's for the people I've talked to in my life that maybe don't deal with their own mental health issues to the degree love does, don't have anxiety. I think it's been an eye-opener that this guy who, uh, is you know so is very successful and very well off and all these things it can struggle with this I think that really really has spoken to people in some way so I, I think it's been a really positive uh, reaction and I and I think if he continues to talk about it I think it could you know be his own kind of legacy that he leaves in some regard. So he's you know, mentioning he's he's been dealing with these mental health issues and anxieties affecting him uh, in game. With the departure of LeBron James on this Cavs team, is there a concern at all that Love being elevated back to being the primary man and holding you know, the responsibility, so to speak, for this team, perhaps still pushing to be competitive? Is that is that a mental health risk for him? Has there been any um, discussion of that and the added pressures that perhaps comes with him not being uh, the, the secondary piece on a team? You know, I haven't uh, thought of it that way. I, I don't know if he's been asked that. I know he's done the, the Jackie McMullen interview. I know he hasn't talked much otherwise, just some some different talk. So maybe that's something to ask him how he views his role and how mentally he's going to approach that when uh, training comes on. I think the other thing about this that's really interesting is that he did bring up Royce White. Um, I know yeah. I think Royce White is obviously this guy that was 
had some very severe anxiety issues with flying, and that that is a major, major reason why he's not in the NBA. He's a he's been very outspoken on Twitter. Uh, Kevin Love shouted him out. He he's cited Kevin Love, and when when he's gone at uh, Adam Silver the last couple of days. So I I think that that in addition to your question, I think another thing to watch here is you know how far is Kevin going to do about this? I I think on media day asking him about Royce White and you know how the NBA could maybe work to bring that guy back or better serve someone with Royce White's issues and and with the support he might need to, to have a successful career, how they could better do that, I think will kind of be a really interesting thing to see what he does there. The other thing that's happening sort of in Cleveland Cavalier land outside of the, the Kevin Love um, mental health, which is you know, a huge positive for, for everybody, not a positive for him that he suffers for it, but the fact that it's out in the open and, and people are understanding the pressure, it doesn't matter you know, how much money that you make that these players still undergo you know, significant stresses and, and people can suffer from mental illness no matter their status in life. But the other thing that is going around uh, it, with Cleveland at the moment, and uh, to, to a degree, I think there is some uh, mental health issues uh, along with Rodney Hood as well. We've seen some of his... Um, yeah, pre-game nerves and big game issues that have caused you know, physical uh, ailments on, on himself when, he, when he's forced with that sort of pressure. But he's a restricted free agent. He came across in that trade uh, at the trade deadline last season, hasn't been signed. There was a report that came out during the week that he was receiving no interest from any teams and Hood quickly refuted that. But what, what is the current status of Rodney Hood? Where is he sitting? Are there any offers actually coming for him? Are the Cavs planning on bringing him back? Like He just you seems know, to I be think the latest, limbo. Uh, I think the latest on Hood is that there is something to the idea that he is in a weird spot. Um, I think he has no leverage right now. I think he is someone that, you know, does not have quite the the type of leverage that he could he would really want. And I, I think that what we I, I just can't figure out quite exactly why it makes sense for either side to let this drag on. Um, you know, I think there there if he doesn't he know has to know he has, doesn't have a lot of leverage if he wants to bet on himself. Why not just sign the qualifying offer now? What does it do to, to drag us on this way? Um it's a complicated question. Um, I think for him, it's just really about like why, what, what is the value? And for the Cavs, it's just like I think you just want to bring him back at a number that that makes sense because I don't think he's someone you want to blow the bank for. So I, I don't know quite what the holdup is, but um, I would be I would be surprised also if there is a lot of team, you know, if it just doesn't seem like a, uh, it, it does not seem like. It does not seem like there is a market out there for him. It, he may refute it. I, I'm sure there are teams that would want him, but all about the price and, and tying up cap space at this point when a lot of teams don't have cap space doesn't make sense. So I, I think it's just a t- tough situation for him. It's the nature of being a, a restricted free agent in, in a summer where there wasn't a ton of money, and that, that sucks for him. Do the Cavs you know, still value him as a potential you know, key piece in this team, or are they much, very much just playing sort of hardball given the fact that there is no leverage? Or do they see him coming in and perhaps even a guy that, that could challenge for a starting spot next season? Or do that the organization was you know, soured by the uh, performance that he uh, that he showed through the playoffs and the end of the regular season? I think they do want him. I think they, I think they do see him as a guy that they believe can help them. Uh, believe that they can develop into a more consistent piece. I do think they're in a situation where they should be trying to develop someone like him into, into something more than he is um, at the current moment. But I also think that you know there should be a limit on how much you're willing to pay for a guy like that that has his limitations and has you know a number of a number of uh, has had a number of issues and had a number of disappointing stretches in his season. So. Um, if I were if I were the Cavs, I would be thinking, okay, I want Rodney back, but you, it's just all about the money you want to pay, and it's all about um, 
necessarily like what you see is his role, and you also have to like wonder how much more can he get better. Um, he's not old, but he's not exactly, I think, completely raw at this point either. So you have to really hope that your your player development staff can turn him into something more than he is, because if he's not, he's fine, but he's not probably a long term piece on your next really good team. That's I, I, at least I, I think what he is now would be not a. Uh, a key piece on a really good team. And I, I think you, even if you're not thinking about that right now, you have to hope he can at least have a chance to turn into that. Thank you, Chris, for the update on uh, Rodney Hood and, and the Kevin Love uh, mental health uh, discussion that has occurred over the last few days. If you want to hear more about the Cavs and uh, when Hood eventually does resign, make sure you're checking out Chris over on Locked On Cavs. Chris, thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA today. Thank you. Locked On NFL has become Locked On NFL of experts. Matt Williamson hosts Locked On NFL and has a brand new lineup. Every Monday, it will be the Locked On Network's local experts on the biggest stories. And then Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus will join every Wednesday. And ESPN's amazing Mike Sando joins on Thursday. Be sure to follow Locked On NFL on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts to get this amazing content. Now I bring in the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Of course, he's also the host of One Day of Locked On NBA. That is Jake Madison. Jake, the Pelicans, um, some reports coming out in this quiet period of the NBA season. The Pelicans bring in a couple of guys uh, for workouts to, uh, I guess, help shore up the point guard position. Two guys named Ty, Ty Lawson and Ty Wallace. Um, any, any further movement on those two workouts? Any reports on how they went and which way the Pelicans are potentially looking with those, uh, with those guys they brought in? Wallace, of course, a restricted free agent and Lawson unrestricted. Yeah, you know, no new reports other than that they've come in for workouts, nothing on if the workouts went well or how it went, but this makes a lot of sense for this Pelicans team. They're looking for a little bit more guard depth, particularly at the point guard spot. You know, with Rajon Rondo leaving and heading to the Lakers, it kind of thrusts Drew Holiday maybe being back in that main one guard role, which is where he hasn't been his best. Last season, they kind of moved him off ball a little bit more, played more of a combo guard than a pure point type of role. And you saw him really flourish and maybe have his best season as a pro because of that. So bringing in some more depth, maybe they don't fully want to rely on Alfred Payton, you know, who's kind of been bouncing around now between the Orlando, the Suns here. Is he really the guy you want starting in such a pivotal year for this team? Or do you maybe just want to have a little bit more veteran presence? And I think that's kind of why they're looking at these guys just some more depth there just some insurance i think ty lawson's probably the guy they're going to go with likely coming in on a vet minimum deal and at least you can maybe wave him um or move him further down the line if things don't work out or if things are going well with alfred payton so as things stand you we've got payton as the starting point guard who would be the backup are we looking at ian clark taking on that role because he did play quite a bit of that role last season especially in that uh, stage of the season when gentry wasn't fully trusting rondo and he'd sit him to close games and we'd see clark in that role is that the way they'd be looking at, at this current stage yeah, I, I think so. I think it's kind of Clark as that kind of creator with that second unit, maybe. And, you know, Holiday plays the point in crunch time. You, yeah. As you said, Rondo wasn't out there in the final five minutes of games. He's a defensive liability, and that can create issues. At times, also, he's not a good free-throw shooter. So you see Holiday play the one there. Then you see Etwan Moore at the two-guard, as opposed to playing out of position at that small forward spot, which he did for most of last year. So I think you just like another guy in there who can maybe handle some of those minutes, should an 
injury come up or anything like that because right now it really is just Alfred Payton and Drew Holiday. Ian Clark does well off ball too. I think you, he can kind of play that kind of combo role that Drew Holiday does. He's the guy who's going to get the majority of minutes in that spot. But again, you want someone else who can maybe handle a little bit of that responsibility. Of course, there's Frank Jackson as well, who missed all of last season, um, but he's you know, untested. We don't know exactly what he's going to be like. He, you know, his 12 minutes in summer league look great, but that's uh, you know, 12 minutes before he sprained his ankle. He's uh, he's ready. 12 to- minutes in summer league over two years, which is not exactly the guy you want to rely on for anything like that. And the plan with him is to have him, or at least it was last year before he ended up sitting out all year, was to have him play the majority of his time in the D-League, just kind of get some seasoning, a little bit more experience than he would have had otherwise. And I, just because he missed all of last year doesn't mean that that plan's changed at all, I don't think. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting to note. Now, the other thing I want to talk about with such a focus on mental health, we've already spoken uh, about the Cavs and Kevin Love earlier in this episode, but uh, the, the Pelicans did bring in Jaleel Okafor, who has mentioned you know, his struggles with mental health uh, throughout the course of his career, the pressure that's been on him as a high pick and, and the failures he's had through his time in Philadelphia and Brooklyn. We see it every year with him, apparently, losing weight and looking slim and he looks pretty good at the moment but that mental health thing you know what's what's the latest on, on Jaleel and, and how he's you know, how he's heading into this you know, next opportunity with uh, the Pelicans yeah, you know, this is something he's talked a lot about on Instagram in particular, and the most recent one was talking about, as you said, he drops weight, he's in very good shape right now, and if he wants to make this team and stick with this team and get out in this fast-paced Alvin Gentry system where you're going to run, you're going to need to do that. But he mentioned that, you know, some of the best work he's been putting in is stuff that you're not going to see. It's not something you can see on his body or anything like that, and that's the mental health aspect of it. And given, you know, kind of his, his tumultuous career so far, I think that's a good thing, and it kind of shows that NBA players now more than ever in the league as a whole is really kind of looking at this and and realizing it's such a high priority and you need to take care of that mental aspect along with the physical aspect of things. So I think if he kind of gets right mentally, which is what it seems, and he doesn't really dive into details on what he's doing, but it sounds like it's anxiety. He's understanding how to deal with the triggers and different things like that. And maybe that just helps you manage stress in your life a little bit more. And for a guy who's kind of fighting maybe for his NBA future. That's the type of thing I would love to hear. And I'm loving this from him because I think it means he's going into training camp and the preseason with the right mental aspect to really potentially make an impact on this team should an injury arise. But first, he's got to get on that team. And I think that's kind of the way you want him going and thinking about it. Yeah, he's coming in on a, on a non-guaranteed deal. So no no guarantee he actually makes makes the, the team. He's not going to be forced into a, a large role, uh, even if he does make the team. But just seeing someone who you know has battled quite a bit in his career and be open about the, the demons that he's had to face, along with many other players in the NBA. It's always good to see the positivity and hopefully he can turn that corner and, and can develop into something because nobody wants to see people fail. And of course, he's really struggled through the first three seasons of his NBA career, but at least you know, opening up about this is, is the new wave in the NBA and it's a huge positive step for the league and for athletes in general. And Anukafor, one of those guys, along with DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love, really leading the charge and putting it out there publicly. And, and that's great news. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how things do work out for him in, uh, in training camp and with the New Orleans Pelicans. Some interesting stuff coming up ahead for this uh, Pelicans team, Jake. Lots, uh, lots of high hopes, high expectations for the squad in general. And you're going to be covering all of that over on Locked On Pelicans. So make sure you're checking that out. Jake, thanks for jumping on on Locked On NBA on your non-assigned day. Of course. Always happy to come on and talk some hoops. The Locked On Podcast Network is now locked onto college. 
We've launched the College Channel for the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're a fan of Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Baylor, Penn State, Oregon, or BYU, go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and subscribe for free. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lastly, we bring in the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast and another host of uh, Locked On NBA, and that is John Corrales. John, there's been some uh, lots of conjecture again with this Celtics team. We know they've got to reintegrate Gordon Haywood. They're hopefully going to have a full season of Kyrie Irving. So you know, questions were posed to players, one of those being Jason Tatum, and he came up with the thing, he'd be fine coming off the bench. We don't think that's going to be an every-night type of thing, but we saw at times last season the Celtics They'd mix up their starting lineup. Sometimes we'd see Marcus Morris in there. Sometimes we'd see Aaron Baines in there. So this, uh, you know, Tatum quote, he'd be fine coming off the bench. It's not going to be in, in every night type of a scenario, but there is still that possibility that someone is going to have to move to the bench at some point against, uh, some potential bigger opponents. Maybe one of those, uh, is the opening night matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Well, you, we'll see how that matchup plays out. Uh, I think the Celtics against Philly. They saw the success of having Horford draw uh, and beat away from the basket, but there will be matchups, you know, against Andre Drummond or you know Tristan Thompson, the, the bigger guys that can bang, and you you want to preserve Al Horford as much as you can. So they'll start Baines in those situations. So somebody has to sit. You can't play six guys, and I think Jason Tatum is being a good teammate and understanding that he's probably going to get whatever his regular allotment of minutes is anyway, 30, 32, whatever. So he's saying the right thing. He's deferring to those people who have been here for a while. He's only going into his second year. So even if he comes off the bench, he's still probably going to finish and he's going to get plenty of opportunities. And hey, even if he comes off the bench, then that's going to be one hell of a guy to lead your second unit scoring. And he's going to he might even see some opportunity to put up some some decent numbers when those other guys hit the bench and he takes the floor. So, look, he's he's a coming off his rookie year. His his contract is is guaranteed. He's fine. He's got a couple more years on that deal. There's no nothing like he. There's nothing that he's playing for or anything. He he can be. Uh, a good teammate and say, look, if you need me to come off the bench, that's fine. Uh, it's going to happen a handful of times, and it, it's probably better to have him sit than ask somebody else who's been there longer. Who else are they going to sit? They're not going to ask Kyrie. They're not going to ask Gordon Hayward. So it's basically Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and I think Tatum is just saying, look, this is what it's going to take to win. I need to sit and come off the bench a couple of games. So be it. it it's not going to affect much in the overall scheme of things and if everybody wins then everybody's happy so if they if they win these games everybody is happy everybody gets praised and it, and it doesn't really matter much well that's the theory behind it but it doesn't always work that way in terms of other players you know being necessarily happy to sacrifice their roles we've seen plenty of instances in the past of players not being happy to take that second uh that that uh I guess, secondary type role. Look at Carmelo Anthony, even though it would have been better for the team for him to move into a different role, he's not you know, taking that on. And of course, the longevity between Mallow and Tatum is not the same, but having that sort of attitude is only a positive for this team and for their aspirations for this coming season, that they're, all, they're willing to sacrifice their own personal performance for the good of the team, knowing that you know, the opportunities are still going to come that way. So I think it is a huge positive, even if it is the right thing to say. Just because it's the right thing to say, it doesn't mean that everyone actually says it. And to come out there and say those things, I think is a positive for Tatum and for this team. And another guy, John, who, who could be in a similar situation is Terry Rozier, who 
For a stretch down the end of last season when both Kyrie and Marcus Smart were, were out, he was running this team in the playoffs. He put up many spectacular performances as the starting point guard. But as the way things sit now, he probably is the third string point guard and he's going to struggle to get minutes in those upper 20s. He's going to play every night. We know that. Marcus Smart will push across to the two. They'll play together, but he's not going to be seeing the same level of uh, of playing time that he saw last year. He heads into his restricted free agency next summer as well. So, what's his take on you know, this this new role, or not even new role, reverting back to an old role after showing out so well in the playoffs? Well, I think he's he's got to say the same things. Like he can't come out and say I should be playing above anybody because. He, he can't. He, he doesn't. He shouldn't. It's Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in the league. So he's not going to play ahead of Kyrie Irving. Marcus Smart is a defensive monster, one of the most unique players who can switch on to anybody. He's switched on to centers and is strong and tough and has had success. So he's not going to play above Marcus Smart. He's, he's got to, as a restricted free agent, he has got to say these right things and demonstrate to his future team because assuming Kyrie Irving returns to the Celtics they're not going to they're not going to pay Terry Rozier the money that Terry Rozier deserves to be a third string uh, point guard so he's probably going to go to another team he has to show that other team I'm I am a good teammate I am a guy that you can trust to handle whatever situation that I will do what the team needs me to do. And a team looking at all of their options at point guard, there are so many options at point guard in the NBA, you look at Rozier and you say, all right, when he's had that opportunity, he's done well. Now he has a a limited opportunity again. If he can continue to play well in that limited opportunity and be a good teammate and be part of a winning team, then I would think as an opposing GM, you'd say, you know what? I like that kid. I like, I like that he, so young, in a contract year, that you may say, geez, he's, his numbers make it seem like he didn't have as great a year as he could have, and he's still smiling on his face, good teammate, cheering his guys on. I want that guy on my team. That's the type of guy I want on my team. That's part of the culture I want for the, the team that I'm trying to build. I think that gives him an advantage. So he's got to say the right things. He can't be a distraction. And he's just got to go and make the most of what he's got. One last thing there. Brad Stevens does have a lot of options. And early in the season, he'd probably get more opportunity. There are chances to maybe rest Kyrie Irving on back-to-back nights, rest Gordon Hayward on back-to-back nights. They're, they're probably, there's probably no real reason to rush everybody back and play everybody 35 minutes. So there will earlier on. I like the uh, segue there to Gordon Hayward because there has been a focus in the NBA over the last few days on mental health, a focus on this podcast. We've spoken uh, about mental health with uh, with Jaleel Okafor and, uh, and Kevin Love uh, from the Cavs. Gordon Hayward has, is coming back from a horrific injury, a fractured ankle that you know, ended his season in the first five minutes. There are many mental barriers that someone who suffers an injury like that has to return from. Having confidence in your foot. Now, it's all well and good to go through workouts and go through five-on-fives and all that sort of stuff. But going back into an NBA game, there's going to be a significant mental hurdle for Gordon to overcome. Has he spoken much about the the psychological side of the injury and how much it impacted him sitting out all of last season and how prepared he is to try and overcome that for this season? 
I haven't seen much from Hayward when it comes to that. He's basically been posting his videos, his workout videos, showing that he's dunking again and he's he's getting back into action. Uh, that is going to be the biggest obstacle for him is that mental obstacle. And that injury was such a freak injury, and, and it was on a, a fairly benign play. We've seen guys go up for uh, alley-oops before. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how someone deals with that. Uh, I do know that the Celtics have an emphasis on mental health. So I know that part of his recovery, his rehab is working on that as well and getting himself back to a place. The the few times that he has mentioned it, it seems like he's prepared and he's, he's getting himself ready to, to go back and, and be who he was. If he can, then I'm excited for what he what he can bring. If he can't, then it's it's going to be interesting to see how long of an adjustment that takes. And it's just a matter of going out there, putting himself in that situation, and then finding a course of talking through it to to find a way to get himself comfortable and able to uh, able to go out there and play at his full capacity. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. It is a big challenge for players coming back from those sort of severe uh, and, and honestly shocking in the uh, you know the literal sense of the word shocking is in causing shock type of injuries where that Haywood did have to you know, suffer through that rehab, which was quite grueling as his team was you know going on to success after success. So that is going to be a big feature, and it's good that the Celtics have got to focus on mental health because he's going to be needing that, especially if he isn't able to return to the hundred percent of what he was before. That's going to take some level of adjustment as well as the NBA really does focus in on the psych- the psychological and mental side of the game. Lots of questions for this Celtics team. Hopefully, they're all answered in a positive way. We hope they are. They're going to be one of the more fun teams and more intriguing teams to watch this season. John, thank you for coming on today onto Locked On NBA. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Celtics with John through the week and, uh, and with Jay and with Sam as well. John, thank you. You got it, man. And that does it. Another episode of Locked On NBA in the books. Make sure you are checking out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, including the newly launched Locked On Podcast College Network. Check out all those shows we've released over there. You can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and check out the Locked On Network at Locked On NBA Net. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.